0: This episode was pre-recorded as part of a live continuing education webinar. On demand CEUs are still available for this presentation through all CEUs. Register at allceus.com slash counselor toolbox. I'd like to welcome everybody to today's presentation. We're going to be talking about prevention for the holidays, preventing trauma and vulnerabilities. I figured this was a good time since we're about two weeks out for Thanksgiving and you know, whatever that is, eight weeks out from Christmas or something because a lot of people are starting to think about the holidays. And the holidays, unfortunately, are less than joyful for a lot of people. So let's talk about ways that we might be able to help clients not only prevent emotional upset, but also deal with it, any that they can't prevent. Real basic today, we're going to identify trauma and depression triggers and explore some of these, because there are a lot of them that unless you kind of get down in there and think about it, they may escape you, regular regular old triggers that we probably, quote, should be more aware of. And then we're going to explore ways to deal with them. So there are a lot of different trauma triggers out there. And please feel free to share any that I don't cover because I certainly didn't think of all of them. But one of the things that we're talking about is expectations for an extraordinary holiday. When people start getting themselves all riled up for expecting this Hallmark holiday, it can be anticlimactic and disappointing for people. So they go through the holiday and they're like, well, that was anticlimactic. So they're disappointed. And then the next year, they may look forward to it again and then be disappointed. And then they start just looking towards the holiday as one of disappointment. So what do we do? Well, one of the first things we do is help people see the holiday for what it is and help people explore what a happy holiday would be like to them. You can make an analogy, if you will, or the parallel. When you look at swimsuit models in Sports Illustrated or whatever magazine that still has swimsuit models, they look very idyllic. And people are looking at themselves in the mirror going, ooh, I don't look like that. I ain't never going to look like that. Well, you know what? Chances are they don't look like that either because that is Photoshop. That has been painted to create this idyllic image. The same thing is true for Hallmark movies and everything. I've started seeing some of these advertisements for these Hallmark movies where everybody's just happy and joyful and all this stuff. And for a lot of us who didn't have that, Warden June Cleaver homecoming and and uh, family of origin that's not how it is you know we may have some glimpses of it but that's just not how it is so we need to get a, encourage people to get a more realistic version of what the holidays really are for most people and what it is that would take for them to have the holiday that they want and once they figure out what that is how do they make it happen some things just ain't going to be possible other things they can work on doing so you know maybe they need to decorate their own house maybe they need to whatever it is I don't have a big family most of my family has died at this point so holiday time I'm like well I'm not having a bunch of people coming over that's important to me I like sharing holiday cheer Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday like ever so what do I do I invite people who don't have anywhere else to go if they're working you know law enforcement often works and my husband was law enforcement for 15 some odd years so we still know some people and if they're working that day nothing's open so it's hard for them to find places to eat people can drop by if you have people living next to you or near you or in your church or wherever who don't have family nearby and they're stuck here because they've got to work or whatever the case may be consider inviting them over well that's what I do Uh, because I really want to make sure that people anyone who wants to be with people on the holiday can be with people on the holiday that's important to me because thanks that's what Thanksgiving means to me so that's how I reconceptualized Thanksgiving. It's not necessarily about blood relatives coming over. It's about spreading the joy. So you can do a group with people and on your whiteboard, identify all the characteristics that make it a good holiday, that make it a happy holiday. And then there's some ideal things there. But once you make that list of all the things that make it a good holiday, then ask them and we do this with self-esteem and stuff too sometimes, ask them, okay, now from this list, I want you to pick the five things that are most important to you to have a happy, joyous holiday. And whatever holiday we're talking about, what are the five things? So then they have to pare it down and start realizing that, you know what, maybe I don't need all of these things. I need these things. I usually have them pare it down to five and then pare it down to three, just so they really have to focus on those things that are truly important to them. For example, in my idyllic holiday, it snows. I grew up part of the time in Indiana, and it snowed. And I grew up part of the time in South Florida, and we were wearing shorts when we were opening Christmas presents, so it was very different. But in my mind, it is this snowy winter holiday. Well, I live in the middle of Tennessee right now, and the chances we're going to get snow on Christmas slim to none. So I've hung that up and recognized that that is not what's important to a happy holiday. That was the long version of we really want to help clients get grounded and become aware of what it is that makes a happy holiday and why. Why is it that this is important? And we'll stay with snow for, for a minute. Why is it that it's important to have snow on Thanksgiving or Christmas in order to make it a festive holiday. And when I asked myself that, I couldn't answer the question. Well, that's what Hallmark says we're supposed to have. It's supposed to be snowing. Well, Hallmark doesn't know everything. So I want to go back and figure out of the other things that I'm expecting in order to make it this extraordinary day, what other things are there that really don't matter to me. So past memories of disappointment can trigger a sense of dread in some of our clients. So what can we do? If you've been disappointed in the past, the other thing you can do in addition to in addition to creating and doing what you can to create that idyllic holiday for you, clients can also look at why were prior holidays disappointing and in what ways can they address that now? So if prior holidays were disappointing because you know, their best friend didn't call or they didn't get the presents they want, or, I don't know, then they can start looking at how to change that if it's possible to change in the present. And what about those things? Just like we look at what about those things are important and why, we want to look at those disappointments and go, what about those disappointments were hurtful to you? Why was that disappointing to you, and what can we do about it? Some people are disappointed because they can't afford to get all of the presents for all of the people that they want, which, you know, this is one of those perspective things, and some people are very clear in their minds that it's about how much money you spend, and whether you get them the perfect gift versus giving them a gift that's from the heart and you're not going to change their mind and that's not my goal my goal is not to change their mind but my goal is to encourage people to examine that belief and figure out if it's something that is truly important if they had a friend who you know was flat broke but wanted to get them a present would they be appreciative of something homemade or would they only be appreciative of the best, most expensive gift? And generally, when you turn the tables and help people see that, you know, a lot of times for appreciative of something that comes from the heart, they can help ease some of that disappointment. If you started this process a lot, a lot earlier than if expensive gifts are super important to your client for some reason, then maybe they can start saving back in February a little bit every week so they have the money to spend. And they can pare down their shopping list to five people instead of 25 people. There are ways to work around it and help people try to make it a more enjoyable holiday. Some people are also disappointed, disappointed because they don't get the gifts they want. Or they don 't you know get the holiday they want for some reason, so we want to look at what does that what does it mean that you didn 't get that gift? Does it mean people don 't care about you, or does it mean maybe you didn 't communicate what you wanted because we can 't read minds? I know every year I tell my kids for Christmas and your birthday and anything else, you need to have a running list of things you want because i can 't read your mind. I can have an idea like my son's into archery. I know nothing about bows. So it was important that he had picked out a particular type of bow that he wanted. Okay. So we'll move on past disappointment now. The and we also talked about the expectations of this extraordinary Hallmark holiday being a letdown because most of us don't have that magical experience every single year. Some years maybe you do, but most of the time it's not. You know, there are moments that are, can be magical, but it's not this loving, exciting, stress-free situation that you see on the movies where everybody's just making dinner and happy. That's not how it happens, <laughs> at least not in my world. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I love cooking, but generally there's something that burns <laughs> or, or whatever. Another thing that can be traumatizing about the holiday, and this is more than just disappointing, is about reminders of what does not exist. And when we talk about that, we really want to look at a variety of things. For somebody who's been homeless or who is homeless, they don't have a home. For somebody who is older, you know, my agent above, and their parents and grandparents have all died, that can be a reminder that family's gone. If they have recently broken up from a relationship, and they're used to having, and those movies, again, set this expectation that everybody's going to be hugging and loving and doing all this stuff, and that doesn't always happen, so it can remind people that they are alone, and that's especially true on Valentine's Day, but we're focusing on Thanksgiving and, and Christmas right now. They may not have somewhere to go, even if their family is alive. They may not have a family that is a safe place for them to be, or their family may be 5,000 miles away or something. I don't know. We want to look at what does the media and or people's religious institutions, what does society say that this holiday, quote, should look like? What does this client currently have? And what's the difference? And what parts are important to him or her? The reminders of what does not exist can be traumatizing simply because, or simply may not be the right word, because it reminds you or reminds the person of a loss that they've experienced, of something that was taken from them. The final expectation that we're really going to cover, and please, again, feel free to share if you are thinking of others that I haven't thought of. Expectations for how people will behave this year. And we all do that. We, we begin these holidays and we're like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to this family get-together and Uncle John's going to, you know, not get drunk or <laughs> there's not going to be a fight or people are going to be on their best behavior or Auntie so and so is not going to be critical. People behave the way they behave and the best predictor of future Behavior is past behavior, so setting yourself up to expect someone to behave more nicely or differently is probably a fool's errand. Unfortunately, I know one of my husband's family members tends to be extraordinarily critical. Of my mother-in-law who is probably the sweetest person who's ever walked the face of the earth and every year I just kind of expect hope that that person's gonna be less critical and it doesn't happen so I've let go of it it doesn't seem to bother my mother-in-law she just lets it roll off her back which is good and I started thinking to myself well if it doesn't bother Carol then I need to not let it bother me we do want to encourage people to look at how much of their holiday and their expectations for the holiday is based on what other people are going to do because we can't control other people. We can only control us and our reactions to what other people do. So let's move on to anniversaries. Anniversaries can really sting at the holidays. It's a death. You know, We have deaths in our lives and... Two years ago, my grandmother passed away. So each year, I'm remembering my grandmother at the holidays. And again, most of my family has passed on now. So what used to be two or three hours of making phone calls to family members throughout the country is now nothing. So it's a reminder of certain things. I've taken that instead of being upset about it or devastated, because it is what it is, I can't change it, I use those the holidays to put a special reminder about those people's, people out there. My father passed away many, many years ago, and my son was only 18, 20 months old when my daddy passed away. So every year, we make a point of telling a story about Papa Ron and commemorating him. So, my kids, even though they didn't get to know him personally, know him in their heart. We do the same thing with my grandmother. So, remembering what grandma mom used to do. So, that's one way to possibly handle anniversaries, but recognizing that it may not be the anniversary of the death, but it's the anniversary. It's like the first Christmas without grandma, or the fifth Christmas without grandma. Helping people cope with those. Can I put reminders of bad things that happened on that holiday? Unfortunately, if you look at the police scanners and if you look at other things because of space heaters, because of drinking, because of bad blood in one way or another, holidays can often trigger domestic violence, just violent violence, car accidents, DUIs, house fires, there are a lot of really unfortunate things that happen during the holiday season. Even if it doesn't happen directly on Thanksgiving or directly on Christmas, people have more heart attacks during the holiday season. So these holidays can trigger melancholy memories, and I use melancholy at best. My stepfather's family, unfortunately, his his first family's house burned down because of a faulty christmas light and his family was in there so holidays are really especially right now these holidays are really tough for him now yes that was back in 1960 something however it was still his family so just because it's been a bunch of years i can't do that kind of math in my head since it happened doesn't mean it doesn't hurt and yes he deals with it better now than he did 20 years ago but it's still painful and i i get that so we do want to reflect with my stepfather for example it's not just the holiday itself it's not just that day but it's also when he sees christmas lights it reminds him of what happened when he sees fires it reminds him of what happened even fires in a fireplace can be triggering for him so it's important to encourage clients to be aware of their triggers and where those are coming from so they can address them we for the longest time didn't have a christmas tree because that was too triggering Uh, and and we tried to be cognizant cognizant of that we would put the tree up after my mother and, and her husband came to visit So that was our way of trying to be sensitive. We wouldn't turn on any sort of Christmas lights. And that was our way of trying to be sensitive. Asking people what is it, you know, helping them be aware of what their triggers are and ways they can address them is going to be really important. Other trauma triggers, and some of these I hadn't even thought about until I started doing this presentation. Think sensory. Songs people hear. When they hear Holly Jolly Christmas or Hark the Herald Angels Sing or whatever it is, it's a sensory trigger. For me, when I hear Amazing Grace, it has nothing to do with the holidays, but that triggers an emotional reaction from me. When I hear taps, oh, I'm just a blubbering mess because I associate taps with military and law enforcement funerals. So songs that we hear can be triggering, songs that were popular during a particular difficult time for a client can, can bring back memories of that time. Just like when you're driving down the road and you turn on the 70s, 80s, 90s channel, however old you are, and it reminds you of being in high school. And you can almost feel like you're back there for a second. Well, that can be good or bad. But in this case, we're talking about how a song or songs can remind people of devastation. I see roads can be a trigger. If somebody was in a car accident or somebody had a loved one die in a car accident because of icy roads, then driving on icy roads can be really scary in and of themselves, but it also is a reminder of those things. And then various scents. Uh, For some people, it could be the, the smell of cloves. For other people, it could be turkey. For other people, I don't you know pine just like a, a christmas tree smell whatever it is that they that triggers that reaction in them if for example they were in a house fire a lot of house fires back before led lights existed occurred because of christmas lights that were on trees that got too dry and the heat from the christmas lights would set the the house on fire or set the tree on fire so smelling that natural live pine tree or not really live anymore because you cut it down, but that can be a trigger for people. Encouraging people to be aware of, you know, what smells might trigger this reaction. Even if you have a, you know, less than favorite uncle or aunt or somebody, their perfume, if the only time you ever smell that perfume is at at holiday, holiday gatherings, then when you smell that perfume or cologne, it can trigger... Traumatic memories of something from the past Another smell that can be triggering is the smell of burning wood. I love the smell of burning wood I love the smell of bonfires and actual real fireplaces not those propane things I love walking outside and smelling that in the fall and winter But that has a positive association for me For other people that may be a terribly negative association When you're driving down the road and you see the smoke billowing up from somebody's chimney, that can bring up happy memories or it can bring up devastating memories. So it's important, again, for people to pay attention. Rituals. Holidays are filled with rituals, things that we do, the way way that we decorate the house, the songs that we sing, all those things. Some of these rituals can remind people of abuse that they have experienced even if it wasn't during the holidays for example ritualistic prayer can be triggering for some people so encouraging them if there's a activity that they're getting ready to participate in that makes them uncomfortable encouraging them to be aware of that another area and i didn't know where to put it so i put it under rituals if somebody has experienced trauma in the past but what does, do a lot of these holidays around this time of year focus on? A higher power. Whether you call that higher power God or some something else. It focuses on a higher power. In many religions, that higher power is theoretically benevolent. However, if somebody's experienced a trauma, it can be a reminder of all those nights that person laid there in bed going if there's a God, how can this be happening to me? So a lot of those things can come back if the sentiment for the season is to revere this benevolent higher power and this person goes, well, where was that higher power when bad things were happening? That requires a lot of processing. There's no easy fix for that. It is important to encourage people to recognize that And figure out how to deal with it, because clearly they still have a lot of anger and animosity toward that higher power. They may not even believe in a higher power anymore. I have a friend of mine who defines his atheism based almost in its entirety on that statement that I said earlier. If there were a higher power, then these things, kinds of things wouldn't happen. Therefore, there must not be. Are we trying to convince people that the higher power does exist? No. That's not our job. That's not our place. But we do want to help them see what might be triggering this internal turmoil and this discomfort during these times of year and figure out ways to deal with that. Okay. Alcohol. Disinhibition happens when people are intoxicated. So you may, clients may do or say things when they're intoxicated that they may regret later, which can mean the next holiday that they feel traumatized. They can do or say things that are, that that actually trigger trauma. So we do want to be aware of disinhibition and encourage people to, if they're going to drink, do it in moderation or minimization. Or try to forego it altogether if they tend to be sensitive during this period of time. Because when we're disinhibited, then those things that you might bite your tongue and not say to Auntie Grace over here, you might just say. So it's important to recognize the potential repercussions of use of alcohol during this time. Intoxicated people can also be a trauma trigger. If a client has been abused by somebody, physically, sexually, emotionally, abused by somebody, especially when that person was intoxicated, then the smell of alcohol can be triggering. The being around intoxicated people, acting intoxicated, can remind them of that event and they may feel very unsafe. One of the things we're going to talk about when we get down there for interventions is people need to create safety. Whatever that means for them. They need to know their triggers and they need to be able to create safety so they don't feel excessively vulnerable. Stress is another trauma trigger and insufficient sleep. We'll just do both of those at the same time. These are vulnerabilities. When you have already expended 60, 70, 80% of your energy, staying up, wrapping presents, doing extra shopping, covering shifts for people, whatever you're doing you get run down. And when people are run down because they're stressed about finances, because they're stressed and overwhelmed because time management issues, because of relationship stress, be, whatever that is going on. So that means people's stress meter is already up here. And then they're not getting enough sleep. And any sleep they would get is probably not quality sleep because they're already stressed and their cortisol levels are high. So that makes them abundantly more vulnerable to react strongly and negatively to things that might not be a big deal or as big of a deal otherwise. So they react with a 10 to something that normally would be a 3 for them because they are that's, they're at their breaking point. They're at the top of the ledge and that's the last thing they can take. So we do need to in, encourage people to pay attention to self-care activities like Teresa points out. Another trauma trigger is financial worries. Sometimes trigger uh, reminders of abuse from stressed parents. If, you know, Sally is 23 years old right now. She's got a toddler and a kid in elementary school, and she wants to have this fabulous holiday. And she goes out and starts shopping, and it starts reminding her of how tense it used to get around her house during this period of time, because they didn't have any money to buy pa- buy presents or whatever was going on, it triggers reminders of verbal or physical abuse from stressed parents, or if they have had children and in the past have not been able to afford the presents their children wanted, and children are not always very open minded if they want the three hundred dollar Reeboks or whatever—I don't know what shoes people are buying now—and they don't get them. Children can be pretty demonstratively disappointed. So each year, when that happens, that can hurt a parent. We we want our kids to be happy, and we don't want them to be disappointed. But sometimes it can't be helped. So holidays may always bring forth reminders of not being able to meet their children's wants. They meet their children's needs but they don't necessarily have the money to meet every single want. So this is another area that we want to help people weigh what's important and figure out how to deal with it. Shopping can be a trigger during the holidays. Shopping can trigger reminders of criticism and abuse. If you're going around the store or even shopping online, trying to find that perfect gift, because in the past you've given Aunt Sally a gift or your mother or whomever a gift, and they've been like, oh, okay, well, um uh, thanks, and set it off to the side, or worse yet, been critical of the gift, then a need for validation, a need for approval from that person can persist. So each year, that person, instead of approaching, finding a gift with joy and excitement and curiosity about what might make that person happy they approach it with a sense of obligation and dread for fear of being criticized and ridiculed and rejected I wish the holidays didn't surround so much around finances and presents that's a whole different diatribe that is something that tends to be very paramount for a lot of our clients and families Another issue during the holidays is crowds, and this one's easier because people can do a lot of shopping online now, or they can start shopping early, but if you want to wait for those Black Friday deals, you have to wait till about now, and then they start putting some of the Black Friday deals online. Some people get very stressed out and claustrophobic or whatever you want to call it, in crowds, especially hustling, bustling people when people are bumping up against you, it can cause a lot of anxiety for people with social anxiety or for people who've had some sort of a bad experience in crowds or some people just hate them. My husband and my daughter both hate crowds, hate them with a passion. My husband will get up and go shopping at Walmart at 1 in the morning if he has to buy a last-minute present (laughs) instead of trying to fight the crowds. So what do we do? Self-care. We alluded to this a little bit earlier. Sleep is so important. Not any sleep, but good quality sleep. People need to make sure that they've got a sleep routine. They schedule it in. They adhere to it. Some of the things that people forget around the holidays is that alcohol actually prevents good sleep and it can worsen sleep apnea. Alcohol can increase anxiety and increase stress levels as you detox from it, which is why people's blood pressure goes up in detox. So making a sleep plan, having a sleep routine, and it's non-negotiable. Okay, there may be that one holiday party you just got to go to, so you're going to be out past your bedtime, but that's one day. That's not every day staying up until 10 or 11 o'clock, or you can tell I go to bed early. Um, (laughs) It's making sure that most days you're getting or trying to get eight hours of good quality sleep. Just like when you're recovering from being sick or you're trying to stay healthy during flu season, which also happens to be happening around the holidays, it's important to be preventative in your sleep and make sure you're getting more than enough or at least enough good quality sleep. This will help reduce cortisol levels. This will help set circadian rhythms. Another thing that happens during the holidays, we just had it, time change. So now around here, it gets starts getting dark at 3.30 in the afternoon, which is great because I can put the donkeys and the chickens up by five. But as far as the circadian clock, I'm looking outside and looking at my watch going, it's, it's, isn't it time for bed yet? Because I see darkness. And my brain goes, darkness means sleep. So people's circadian rhythms get out of whack. It's important for them to pay attention to that. And I guess I'll get to that at sunlight. Nutrition. Nutrition provides the building blocks that your body needs to make the neurotransmitters for you to feel happy and excited and energized and everything else. So people need to have good nutrition. Binging on your kid's holiday candy for the next three weeks or pumpkin pie and cranberry sauce and leftovers for a week after Thanksgiving, that's not good self-care. There's nothing wrong with having a little bit, but it's important for people to make sure that they're still getting a well-balanced diet so their body has the building blocks it needs. Water is also important. If you're dehydrated, it's harder to focus. You tend to have foggy head, 1% dehydration. is when people start having difficulty concentrating one percent you don't even start feeling thirsty until you're at like three percent dehydration so if you've waited until you're feeling really parched you're way past that point dehydration not only contributes to foggy headedness but it can contribute to fatigue and headaches which is also something that people sometimes experience when they're depressed So encouraging people to make sure that physiologically there's nothing causing depressive symptoms can also help head off some of that depressive stuff. Sunlight. Like I said, we have shorter days now, and we just had that time change. It's important for people to stay in a brightly lit area most of the time when they are awake, during their awake periods, which for most of us is 12 to 14 hours or a little bit more. So I have other presentations on sunlight on com slash YouTube if you want to go and read over some of the tips for exercise, sunlight, and sleep improvement. Me time is so important. And during the holidays, we can feel very, very guilty for wanting me time because this is the time where, when we're supposed to be... Going over to people's houses and spreading cheer and caroling and decorating and this and that and the other, it's exhausting. Some people need more me time each day than other people do because that's how they're wired. But it's important for people to know how much me time they need. Is it 30 minutes or is it two hours at the end of the day? And there's no judgment there. In order for people to feel grounded and connected and mindful and aware and all that stuff, me time is so important. For me, me time is being able to just sit there, turn my brain to jelly while a TV shows on and crochet. I do that for 30 minutes. I'm a happy camper. What does, do your clients need to do in order to have me time? And again... During the holidays, since there's so much going on and it can be so busy and so tempting to say yes to everything, it needs to be scheduled in. Encourage them to schedule it in. Now, some people, people who are more spontaneous are going to resist that, and that's okay. If that doesn't work for them, that's fine. But I find for a lot of people, if they schedule in a couple of things like sleep and me time, it's especially important. Exercise increases endorphins. Exercise increases serotonin. Exercise helps us feel stronger and more energized. Exercise increases the oxygenation of our blood, which improves energy levels. Exercise can help us reset or maintain our circadian rhythms. So exercise is an important intervention. And I don't mean you have to go to the gym. That's what I like to do. But not everybody does. If exercise means walking around the neighborhood with your dog or playing with your kids or scrubbing your house, some people can work up a good sweat when they're cleaning. My mother-in-law can. I mean, you could eat off of her floors all the time. It's not just around the holidays, every day. She cleans like a fiend, and that's just what she's always done. And that is very energy intensive for her i mean she's carrying around the backpack vacuum cleaner and standing up and squatting and doing all that stuff so exercise comes in a lot of forms it's a matter of moving your body some of us need to do a little bit more than that because we've been exercising for years you know i'm a distance runner so i need a little bit more than that but on the days that i don't go to the gym anything for an hour and i usually do turn to cleaning for an hour is you know important for me to just keep my rhythm boundaries are important and this is a social thing interpersonal personal vo- about inner boundaries are one of the first things that are important and you're like well what are those that's the boundary between you and what you feel and what you want and that inner critic who is just telling you what you should be doing, and you should be feeling, and you should be wanting. So we need to help people set a boundary to keep that inner critic in the closet somewhere if we can't shut him up. That's the first thing. Then we need boundaries with other people. We're not going to be able to feed the homeless every weekend and decorate the house and go shopping for you know toys for tots and do this and do that. A certain point, we've got to start setting boundaries and going, I can do this. Oh, and let's add, and make a 15 course Thanksgiving dinner. That ain't going to happen. So, for most people, so what are the boundaries? What can a person do and feel like they're doing their part without feeling overextended? If they're expected to make the entire Thanksgiving dinner, okay. Well, then does the entire Thanksgiving dinner need to have 15 different courses or can we narrow it down to like the top six or eight and then start cooking sooner? Figuring out how to set those boundaries time-wise so you're not losing your me time, so you're not losing your sleep time and feeling overwhelmed. Those are really important. And finally, going back to that first slide, setting those boundaries so people don't take on the disappointment or the hurt or the whatever of everyone else. They don't feel responsible for making everyone else happy. People are responsible for their own feelings. And that is such a hard concept for most of us to wrap our heads around. Now, if we're nasty to somebody, then yes, we're responsible for making them feel bad for a moment. But then they're responsible for what they do with that. We can make somebody, we can bring some joy to their day, give them a card, bring them brownies, whatever it is, we can do that. And that may make our heart feel good. But it is not our responsibility to make them feel happy every hour of the day through the holiday season. We need to set some boundaries and recognize what we need to do. We also need to set boundaries to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. We need to... Sharpen the saw, as, as Covey would say. We need to make sure that we are a hundred percent, because if we're not a hundred percent, then we're not going to be any good for anybody. If we're worn down to thirty percent, we're going to be dragging our happy butt in, going, "Okay, it's time to cook Thanksgiving dinner." Anybody have the phone for carryout? We need to make sure that we're there. If we are worn down because we haven't said no, we haven't set boundaries, we might get sick we might be more irritable and less pleasant to be around. There's a lot of reasons. Boundaries are good. People feel often feel guilty for setting boundaries. And we talk a lot about this in in my groups. That that guilt which we'll get to in just a second. Asking for help to avoid getting overwhelmed. When you set boundaries, sometimes you got to say no, I can't do that. But sometimes you say okay, You know, I'll host Thanksgiving dinner, and I will make these five dishes. However, I need help with. So encouraging people to be willing to compromise, create that win-win. You want me to do this? Sure, I would love to. However, I can't do it by myself, so I need help. Asking for help does not mean you're a bad person or that you're incompetent or anything else. Asking for help means that you're recognizing the necessity for self-care. Which takes us to our Bill of Rights. And we've made, or we've talked about making a Bill of Rights in other classes, especially the one on guilt. This one is specific to the holidays. What is your Bill of Rights during the holidays? I have the right to fill in the blank. Where do you start with this? Well, I usually start with having people list all of the things they feel guilty about during the holidays, or they do during the holidays that they really don't want to do, but they're afraid they would feel guilty if they didn't. So we make this laundry list of stuff. And then we counter that laundry list with interventions by saying, okay, I have the right to limit, you know, if somebody says they feel guilty if they don't get everybody at least five presents or whatever, they can say, I have the right to limit the number of presents I get for each person on my list to three. They can say, I have the right to not go to XYZ holiday party if that's a party that they're invited to and they feel like they, they feel really guilty if they didn't go, but They know it's a bad situation for them emotionally. They have the right to take care of themselves. Maybe they decide to go. Okay, so they have a right to leave early, and they can make a plan so they can leave early. So help people write out a bill of rights that specifically addresses their guilts around the holiday season to help them remember and remind themselves about what they have the right to do and why it's important. I have the right to say no to going to this party because I know that when I go, I'm going to leave devastated, or whatever the case may be. I have the right to take care of myself. Part of trauma-informed care is empowering people, empowering people to protect themselves, empowering people to say, this is not safe for me, and I'm not going to subject myself to it. Other interventions. Encourage people to turn off triggering shows. And that can also mean going to not watching network TV during the season because there's always those Hallmark movie commercials and just watching something like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime where they don't have to see those commercials. Take a media or news break. This is true any time of the year. The media and the news can be exceptionally stressful, distressful. Not only are they talking about shootings and muggings and this and that, they're also now talking about house fires and, you know, kids that that need presents and, you know, all kinds of traumatic things that are happening happening around the holidays. And it can be too much. Encourage people to shop online or ahead of time so they don't have to deal with all that stress. Some people, the holidays just aren't going to do it for them. So maybe they need to start a new tradition or, or just get away around. I don't do Halloween. You know, Halloween's just not my holiday. So we have a different tradition. I've never been into going out trick-or-treating and stuff, and my kids haven't either. But on Halloween, we get together and we have a movie marathon. It's somewhat anticlimactic from some perspectives, but I enjoy it. And my family enjoys it. Sometimes people just need to get away. They can, to get away from the Christmas cheer, so to speak. Some people will go on a cruise. Sometimes the cruises are all holiday oriented too. So you just need to get on a plane and fly somewhere where they don't celebrate Christmas or whatever holiday you're trying to avoid exposing yourself to. Can you always run away? No. Is it something that might be, a useful intervention for people because they are really raw from something? Sure. Encourage people to think about what they want. What do you want the third, no, the fourth Thursday in November? November? Third Thursday in November. What do you want the third Thursday in November to look like? Don't even call it Thanksgiving. This is the day you have off. What are you going to do with it? What's your tradition? You want to go skiing? You want to go skydiving? What do you want to do? What do you want December 25th or whatever the, their holiday is? What do you want that day to look like? I do that with my birthday. You know, I don't call it my birthday. You know, usually I work on my birthday because that's not a big holiday for me. So I know what I want to do. Make a plan for the day. If you're going to be home on Thanksgiving, maybe you don't have anywhere to go, what are you going to do? You know, there have been occasions where I have had to work or something else and I've been home alone on Thanksgiving and I really didn't want to cook a big meal for just myself. So I made a plan for what I was going to do that day. Encourage people to have a trigger identification and prevention or intervention plan. Some of the things that can be there include setting a time limit. So how much time do you have to spend this party how much time do you have to spend doing something that you don't really want to do if any time at all if you need to have an escape or you feel like you know even if you're sitting home alone it may end up being a stressful time have a friend to call have somebody you can call and go okay this is really starting to get to me I feel like I'm gonna crawl out of my skin a battle buddy whatever you want to call it and again make a plan Have people keep a memory journal leading up to the holidays. This will help them identify some of the memories that are triggered during the holidays so they can process them in therapy. Encourage people to release their resentments. This is way easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to start it the day before Thanksgiving. But we do want to start talking about handling resentments. If you were in class on Tuesday, you'll remember the loving-kindness meditation. This can be something that people practice during these days in order to help them not get stuck in their resentment space. Create a memory ornament or do something in honor of someone who's died. Obviously, this is not an avoidance thing, but it can be a reflection of something that you've lost. It could be somebody who's died. You can hang a picture or whatever of them. Whatever the person wants to do. And there's lots of art projects that you can do. I know with my kids, we have an annual ornaments that represent each year of their life. And most of them were things that they made. And I bring those out and I look at them and it brings back happy, happy memories. Some people, especially people who are experiencing empty nest, you know, their kids just went off to college or just moved out, or whatever the case may be. The holidays can be really overwhelming because it's not the same. It simil- It can be similar, or maybe it's completely different, but it's definitely not the same. So instead of focusing on what they don't have anymore, their babies, focusing on what they do have and the memories and whatever. Encourage people to volunteer and do random acts of kindness. Sometimes the hot The holidays, if you don't have people to spend time with or you don't want to spend dedicated time with people, sometimes it makes people's heart feel fuller, helps improve contentment if they go out and contribute. It can be picking up trash. go Go on a hiking trail and pick up trash. It can be feeding at a soup kitchen. It can be whatever the person wants to do. But a lot of times that gets people out of themselves, out of their own head. And instead of thinking about, oh, poor me, you know, I wish I had, I feel guilty for, they're focused on something out here. They're focused on what they're doing and improving their micro world. Invite people over who have nowhere to go or who are also unholidaying it. Try saying that three times. Not everybody likes to celebrate the holidays. So... You know, maybe you have five friends who want to come over and play video games all day long. More power to you if that's what works for you. Go on a hike. You get out there in the woods, you're not hearing the jingle bells, you're not hearing the mass media, you're just out there with nature and maybe your dog. <laughs> I take my dog with me. But going on a hike is one of the best ways to disconnect from everything for a while and get regrounded treat yourself as you want to be treated love yourself and forget perfection none of us is perfect you may burn that souffle you may i remember a couple thanksgivings ago i've never made official like honest to goodness cornbread before i've always used jiffy mix and i made cornbread from scratch Well, it was kind of like Ellie Mae's baking. If you've ever watched the Beverly Hillbillies, you could have probably built a house with the bricks that came out of that oven. Did I feel bad? Yeah, I was a little ashamed of that. But you know what? I tried. And I tried to do it the old-fashioned way because I wanted to do something special. It was worth the effort. Video chat with friends and family at a distance. You may think, okay, that's making a video call. That can help. Or that can make you feel even more isolated when you hang up. When I was moving down here from Virginia, there were about eight months where my family was still in Virginia. And I was very not used to being by myself in that apartment, just kind of knocking around until, you know, my family came down and we got a house. I would put on video chat and I would just have it up most of the day. My kids were homeschooled. So I was able to answer their questions. Was I in the room? No, but I was there, if you will. They were able to, you know, call out to me whenever. So I felt less alone, even though we weren't touching distance. Rehearse how to answer what are your plans. Some of the responses can be getting some much-needed rest, catching up on projects, spending time with my friends, even if your friends are me, myself, and I. Nobody has to know that. If you say I don't know, then a lot of times people feel guilty and they think, oh that person shouldn't be alone, you know, let me see if I can help them do something. If you're content being by yourself that day or you don't want to go out and do a bunch of stuff, make make sure you have a response or make sure your clients have a response. Have clients envision an unholiday if this is what they want to do. What parts of the unholiday are in control in their control? Who is and is not there? And what are they going to do during their unholiday? Are they going to watch horror movies? Are they going to play video games? Are they going to watch football? Go hiking? What is it that you're going to do on your unholiday? So, the holidays are hard for a lot of people. They can bring up feelings of grief, guilt, loneliness, anger, trauma, and helplessness, and depression and hopelessness. People need to be aware of what their triggers are what those triggers are related to, so they can process them, and have a plan to, I shouldn't have said stop, I should have said address them. Can't prevent all triggers, but the ones we can't avoid or prevent, we need to have a plan to deal with. Vulnerability prevention is also essential, that is good self-care, to help people have the energy and reserves to deal with those unavoidable stressors. Well, that was a really short PowerPoint, but I managed to drag it out for a whole hour. Who knew? (laughs) Are there any questions? Andrea pointed out that shopping addiction becomes more problematic now too because it is so easy to just shop online and because sometimes we find or we try to get validation from what we buy for others. So shopping addiction and shopping mismanagement can be a problem. Sometimes people shop to fill that sense of loneliness. They get themselves lots of presents to try to feel less lonely, less alone, and then they end up with you know, $50,000 in credit card bills. So yeah, shopping addiction can be a big problem, which can lead to a crisis in December or January when those credit card bills come in. One thing that I recommend to clients who tend to have difficulty managing their money And tend to buy more than they intend to. If they have credit cards, and sometimes you do, freeze them in a big old block of ice because generally by the time the ice melts, so you can get to your credit card, whatever issue that you had or urge that you had has passed. So freeze it in a big block of ice if you've got a credit card. If you can get rid of your credit cards, do so. Don't shop online or in person without a list. Only get on retail sites with a list and stick. force yourself to stick to that list. Have a shopping buddy, even if it's online. If you are both sitting there going, yeah, generally have to use the desktop, but if you're shopping together, then that shopping buddy can sort of act as your you know, wingman or whatever to help you not get distracted by, ooh, that looks like a good suggestion. Computers can remember your credit card numbers so that can be a problem another thing that people can do who have issues with shopping same thing with issues with pornography and other things get somebody who's knowledgeable to go in there and make sure your computer doesn't store cookies that way Google doesn't automatically auto populate and have as many websites that you normally frequent for that purpose blocked as possible. If necessary, just turn off your internet service for that period of time. That's really not a practical suggestion these days, but it is one out there in extreme situations. The, another, another suggestion, if you will, is again, cancel your credit cards. If that's possible for you to do, cancel your credit cards. And that way, even if a computer remembers a credit card number, it don't work. So it's irrelevant. All righty, everybody. Thank you for being here. And I really appreciate you coming in. I know we're getting close to the holidays right now, so you've probably got a lot of stuff to do. I will see you on Tuesday. The webinars from Tuesday and today will be uploaded to YouTube eh, in four or five hours. And that's com slash YouTube. Okay, have a wonderful weekend and rest of your day. Oh, Jessica pointed out, I guess before I go, Jessica pointed out that lots of people have different food allergies and dietary restrictions now. And that can get extremely stressful over the holidays, making sure that your kids are not exposed to something they're allergic to, or if you're the one preparing meals, making sure that There's stuff that everybody can eat, and yes, that is hugely stressful. Encourage encourage people to be willing to ask if your person, your child, your husband, yourself, whatever, has specific dietary needs. Can you bring something that you can eat, or can you tell me what you can eat? You know, my daughter's getting good at it. I cannot bake gluten-free. Haven't mastered that yet, so When their friends come over who are uh, not able to have gluten, they usually bring their own frozen pizzas or whatever they want that are gluten free. So it is okay to ask people to pitch in and help out if they've got, especially if they've got a whole lot of dietary restrictions and you're like, I don't know what you can eat. It's also okay to ask, What is it that you can eat? so you can have a specific item or items that that person can can eat. But that's a really good point. It can be extremely stressful on both ends during these this holiday period when so much of what we do revolves around food. Okay, I will see you next week. If this podcast helps you help your clients or yourself, please support us by purchasing your CEUs at allceus.com or getting your agency to sponsor an episode.